Chapter Number Seven of The Home in the World by Rabindranath Tagore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sandeep's Story, Part Eight. We are men. We are kings. We must have our tribute. Ever since we have come upon the earth, we have been plundering her, and the more we claimed. The more she submitted, from primeval days we have been plucking fruits, cutting down trees, digging up the soil, killing beast, bird, and fish, from the bottom of the sea, from underneath the ground, from the very jaws of death. It has all been grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. No strong box in nature's stone room has been respected or left unrefilled. The one delight of this earth is to fulfil the claims of those who are men. She has. Been made fertile and beautiful and complete through her endless sacrifices to them, but for this she would be lost in the wilderness, not knowing herself. The doors of her heart shut, her diamonds and pearls never seeing the light. Likewise, by sheer force of our claims, we men have opened up all the latent possibilities of women. In the process of surrendering themselves to us, they have ever gained their true greatness. Because they had to bring all the diamonds of their happiness and pearls of their sorrows into our royal treasury, they have found their true wealth. So, for men to accept is truly to give; for women to give is truly to gain. The demand I have just made from Bimla, however, is indeed a large one. At first, I felt scruples, for is it not the habit of man's mind to be in purposeless conflict with itself? I thought. I had imposed too hard a task. My first impulse was to call her back and tell her I would rather not make her life wretched by dragging her into all these troubles. I forgot for the moment that it was the mission of a man to be aggressive, to make woman's existence fruitful by stirring up disquiet in the depth of her passivity, to make the whole world blessed by churning up the immeasurable abyss of suffering. This is why man's hand are so strong, his grip so firm. Bimla had been longing with all her heart that I, Sandeep, should demand of her some great sacrifice, should call her to her death. How else could she be happy? Had she not waited all these weary years only for an opportunity to weep out her heart? So satiated was she with matrony of her placid happiness, and therefore, at very sight of me, her heart's horizon darkened with the rain clouds of her impending days of anguish. If I pity her and save her from her sorrows, what then was the purpose of my being born a man? The real reason of my qualms is that my demand happens to be for money. That savers of beggary for money is man's, not woman's. That is why I had to make it a big figure. A thousand or two would have the air of petty theft. Fifty thousand has all the expanse of romantic brindage. Ah, but riches should really have been mine. So many of my desires have had to halt again and again on the road to accomplishment simply for want of money. This does not become me. Had my fate been merely unjust, it could be forgiven. But its bad taste is unpardonable. It is not simply by a hardship that a man like me should be at his wits' end to pay his house rent, or should have to carefully count out the coins for an intermediate-class railway ticket. It is vulgar. It is equally clear that Nikhil's paternal estates are a superfluity to him, 
for him it would not have been at all unbecoming to be a poor. How would have cheerily pulled in the trouble harness of indigent mediocrity with that precious master of his? I should love to have, just for once, the chance to fling about fifty thousand rupees in the service of my country and to the satisfaction of myself. I am a nabob born, and it is a great dream of mine to give rid of these disguise of poverty, though it be for all day alone, and to see myself in my true character. I have grave misgivings, however, as to Bimla ever getting that fifty thousand rupees within her reach, and it will probably be only a thousand or two which will actually come to hand. Be it so, the wise man is content with a half a loaf, or any fraction for that matter, rather than no bread. I must return to these personal reflections of mine later. News comes that I am wanted at once. Something has gone wrong. It seems that the police have got a clue to the man who sank Mirjan's boat for us. He was an old offender. They are on his trail, but should be to practice the hand to be caught blabbing. However, one never knows. Nickel's back is up, and his manager may not be able to have things his way. If I get into trouble, sir, said the manager when I saw him, I shall have to drag you in. Where in the nose with which you can catch me? I have a letter of yours and several of Amulya Babu's. I could not see the letter mark urgent to which I had been hurried into writing a reply was wanted urgently for this purpose only. I am getting to learn quite a number of things. The point now is that the police must be bribed and hush money paid to Mirjan for his boat. It is also becoming evident that much of the cost of this patriotic venture of ours will find its way as profit into the pockets of Nickel's manager. However, I must shut my eyes to that for the present, for is he not shouting Bande Vatram as lustily as I am? This kind of work has always to be carried on with leaky vessels which let as much through as they fetch in. We all have a hidden fund of moral judgment stored away within us, and so I was about to wax indigent with the manager, and enter in my diary a tirade against the unreliability of our countrymen. But if there be a God, I must acknowledge with gratitude to him that he has given me a clear-seeing mind, which allows nothing inside or outside it to remain awake. I may delude others, but never myself. So I was unable to continue angry. Whatever is true is neither good nor bad, but simply true, and that is science. A lake is only the remnant of water which has not been sucked into the ground. Underneath the cult of Bande Matram, as indeed at the bottom of all mundane affairs, there is a religion of slime whose absorbing powers must be reckoned with. The manager will take what he wants. I also have my own wants. These lesser wants form a part of wants of the great cause. The horse must be fed and the wheels must be oiled, if the best progress is to be made. The long and short of it is that money we must have, and that soon. We must take whatever comes the readiest, for we cannot afford to wait. I know that the immediate often swallows up the ultimate, that the 5,000 rupees of today may nip up in the bud of 50,000 rupees of tomorrow, but I must accept the penalty. Have I not often tweeted Nidil that they who walk in the paths of restraint have never known what sacrifice is? It is greedy folk who have to sacrifice our greed at every step. Of the cardinal sins of man, desires for men who are men, but delusion 
which is only for cowards, hampers them. Because delusions keep them warped into the past and the future. But is the very use for confounding their footsteps in the present. Those who are always straining their ears for the call of the remote to the neglect of the call of the eminent are like Sakuntala, absorbed in the memories of a lover. The guest comes unheeded and the curse descends, depriving them of the very object of their desire. The other day I pressed Bimla's hand and that touch still stirs my her mind as it vibrates in mine. Its thrill must not be deadened by repetition for then what is now music will descend to mere argument. This is at present no room in our mind for those questions. Why? So I must not deprive Bimla, who is one of those creatures for whom illusion is necessary of her full supply of it. As for me, I have so much else to do that I shall have to be content for the present with the form of wine cup of passion. O man of desire, curb your greed and practice your hand on the harp of illusion till you can bring out all the delicate nuances of suggestions. This is not the time to drain the cup of the dregs. Our work proceeds apace, but though we have shouted ourselves hoarse, proclaiming the Muslims to be the brethren, we have come to realize that we shall never be able to bring them wholly round to our side. So they must be suppressed altogether and made to understand that we are the masters. They are now showing their teeth, but one day they shall dance like tame bears to the tune we play. If the idea of a united India is a true one, objects Nikhil, Muslims are a necessary part of it. Quite so, said I, but we must know their place and keep them there, otherwise they will constantly be giving trouble. So you want to make trouble to prevent trouble? What then is your plan? There is one only well-known way of avoiding quarrels, said Nikhil meaningly. I know that like tales written by good people, Nikhil's discourse always ends in a morale. The strange part of it is that with all his familiarity with moral prospects, he still believes in them. He is an incorrigible schoolboy. His only merit is his sincerity. The mischief with people like him is that they will not admit the final even of death, but keep their eyes as always fixed or on thereafter. I have long been nursing a plan which, if only I could carry it out, would set fire to the whole country. Too patriotism will never be roused in our countrymen unless they can visualize the motherland. We must make a goddess of her. My colleagues saw the point at once. Let us divide an appropriate image, they exclaim. It will not do if we devise it. I admonish them. We must get one of the current images accepted as representing the country. The worship of the people must flow towards it along the deep cut grooves of custom. But Nikhil's need must argue even about this. We must not seek the help of illusions, he said to me some time ago, but what we believe to be true cause. Illusions are necessary for lesser minds, I said, and to this class the greater portion of the world belongs. That is why divinities are set up in every country to keep up the illusions of the people for men are only too well aware of their weakness. No, he replied. God is necessary to clear away our illusions. The divinities which keep them alive are false gods. What of that? If need be, even false god must be invoked rather than let the work suffer. Unfortunately for us, our illusions are alive enough but we do not know how to make them serve our purpose. Look at the Brahmins. In spite of our treating them as demigods and untiringly taking the dust off their feet, they are a force going to waste. They 
will always be a large class of people giving to groveling who can never be made to do anything unless they are bespattered with the dust of somebody's feet, be it on their heads or on their backs. What a pity if after keeping Brahmins saved up in an armory for all these ages, keen and serviceable, they cannot be utilized to urge on this rabble in the time of our need. But it is impossible to drive out all this into Nikhil's head. He has such a prejudice in favor of truth as though there exists such an objective reality. How often have I tried to explain to him that where truth truly exists, there it is indeed the truth. This was understood in our country in the old days and so they had the courage to declare that for those of little understanding untruth is the truth. For them who can truly believe their country to be a goddess, her image will do duty for the truth. With our nature and our traditions, we are unable to realize our country as she is. But we cannot easily bring ourselves to believe in our image. Those who want to do real work must not ignore this fact. Nikhil only got excited. Because you have lost the power of walking in the path of truth's attainment, he cried. You keep waiting for some miraculous boom to drop from the skies. This is where, when our service to our country has fallen centuries into arrears, all you can think of is to make it, of it an image and stretch out your hands in expectation of gratitude's favours. We want to perform the impossible, I said, so our country needs must be made into a god. You mean you have no heart for possible tasks? replied Nikhil. Whatever is already there is to be left undisturbed. Yet there must be a supernatural result. Look here, Nikhil, I said at length. Thoroughly exasperated. These things you have been saying are good enough as moral lessons. These ideas have served their purpose as milk for babies at one stage of man's evolution, but will no longer do now that man has cut his teeth. Do we not see before our eyes how things of which we never ever dreamt of sowing the seed are sprouting up on every side by what power? that of the deity in our country who is becoming manifest. It is for the genius of the age to give that deity its image. Genius does not argue, it creates. I only give form to what the nature imagines. It, I will spread it abroad that the goddess has vouchsafed me a dream. I will tell the Brahmins that they have been appointed her priests and that their downfall has been due to their derecletion of duty in not seeing to the proper performance of her worship. Do you say I shall be uttering lies? No, I say I. It is the truth, nay more. The truth which the country has so long been waiting to learn from my lips. If only I could get the opportunity to deliver my message, you would see the stupendous result. What I am afraid of, said Nikhil, is that my lifetime is limited and the result you speak of is not the final result. It will have if after effects which may not be immediately apparent. I only seek the result, said I, which belong to today. The result I seek, answered Nikhil, belongs to all time. Nikhil may have had a share of Bengal's greatest gift, imagination, but he has allowed it to be overshadowed and nearly killed by an exotic consciousness. Just look at the worship of Durga which Bengal has carried to such heights. That is one of her greatest achievements. I can swear that Durga is a political goddess and was conceived as the image of Shakti of patriotism in the days when Bengal was praying to be delivered from Muslim domination. What other province of India has succeeded in giving such wonderful visual expression to the idea of its guests? Nothing 
betrayed Nikhil's loss of the divine gift of imagination more conclusively than his reply to me. During the Muslim domination, he said, the Maratha and the Sikh had asked for fruit from the arms which they themselves took up. The Bengali contented himself with placing weapons in the hands of his goddess and muttering incantations to her. And as his country did not really happen to be a goddess, the only fruit he got was a looped of hands of the goats and buffaloes of the sacrifices, the day that we seek the good of the country along the path of righteousness. He who is greater than our country will grant us true fruitation. The unfortunate part of it is that Nikhil's words sound so fine when put down on paper. My words, however, are not meant to be scrubbed on paper, but to be scored into the heart of the country. The Pandit recorded his treatise on agriculture in printer's ink, but the cultivator at the point of his plough impresses his endeavour deep in the soil. When I next saw Bimla, I pitched my key high without further ado. Have we been able, as I began, to believe with all our heart in the God for whose worship we have been born all these millions of years until he actually made himself visible to us? How often have I told you, I continued, that had I not seen you, I never would have known all my country as one. I know not yet whether you rightly understand me. The gods are invisible only in their heaven. On earth, they show themselves to mortal men. Bimla looked at me in a strange kind of way as she gravely replied, Indeed, I understand you, Sandeep. This was the first time she called me plain Sandeep. Krishna, I continued, whom Arjun ordinarily knew only as the driver of his chariot, had also his universal aspect of which too Arjuna had a vision one day, and that day he saw the truth. I have seen your universal aspect in my country, the Ganges, the Brahmaputra and the chains of gold that wind round and round your neck, in the woodland fringes of the distant banks of dark waters of the river. I have seen your colorium darkened eyelashes. The changeful sheen of your sari moves for me in the prey of light and shade amongst the swaying shoots of the green corn, and the blazing summer heat which makes the whole sky lie gasping like a red-tongued lion in the desert, is nothing but your cruel radiance. Since the goddess has vouchsafed her present to her watery in such wonderful guise, it is for me to proclaim her worship throughout our land, and then shall the country gain new life. Your image make we in temple after temple, but this our life people have not yet fully realized. So I would call on them in your name and offer for their worship an image for which none shall be able to withhold belief. Oh, give me this boon, this power. Bimla's eyelids dropped and she became rigid in her seat like a figure of stone. Had I continued, she would have gone off into trance. When I ceased speaking, she opened wide her eyes and murmured with fixed gaze, as though she still dazed, O oh, traveller in the path of destruction! Who is there that can stay our progress? Do I not see that none shall stand in the way of your desires? King shall lay their crowns at your feet. The wealthy shall hasten to throw upon their treasure for your acceptance. Those who have nothing else shall beg to be allowed to offer their lives. O oh my King, my God, what you have seen in me I know not, but I have seen the immensity of your grandeur in my heart. Who am I? What am I 
in the in this presence ah the awful power of devastation never shall i truly live till it kills me utterly i can bear it no longer my heart is breaking bimla slid down from her seat and fell at my feet which she clasped and then she sobbed and sobbed and sobbed this is hypnotism the charm which can subdue the world no materials no weapons but just the delusion of irresistible suggestion who says truth shall triumph delusion shall win in the end the bengali understood this when he conceived the image of the ten-handed goddess astride her lion and spread her worship in the land bengal must now create a new image to enchant and conquer the world pande matram i gently lifted bimla back to into her chair and lest reaction should set in i began again without losing time queen the divine mother has laid on me the duty of establishing her worship in the land but alas i am poor bimla was still flushed her eyes clouded her accents thick as she replied you poor is not all that each one has yours what are my caskets full of jewelry for drag away from me all my gold and gems for your worship i have new use for them once before bimla had offered up her own ornaments i am not usually in the habit of drawing lines but i felt i had to draw the line there i know why i feel this hesitation it is for the man to give ornaments to women to take them from her wounds his maliness but i must forget myself am i taking them they are for the divine mother to be poured in worship at her feet oh but it must be a grand ceremony of worship such as the country has never beheld before it must be a landmark in our history it shall be my supreme legacy to the nation ignorant men worships gods i sandeep shall create them but all this is a far cry what about the urgent immediate at least 3000 is an indispensably necessary 5000 would do roundly and nice but how on earth am i to mention money after the high flight we have just taken and yet time is precious i crushed all hesitation under foot as i jumped up and made my plunge queen your purse is empty our work about to stop bimla winced i could see she was thinking of that impossible 50000 rupees what a load she must have been carrying within her bosom struggling under it perhaps through sleepless nights what else had she with which to express her loving worship debarred from offering her heart at my feet she hankers to make this sum of money so hopelessly large for her the bearer of her imprisoned feelings the thought of what she must have gone through gives me twinge of pain for she is now wholly mine the wrench of plucking up the plant by the roots is over it is now only careful tending and nurture that is needed queen said i that 50000 rupees is not particularly wanted just now i calculate that for the present 5000 or even 3000 will serve the relief made a hard rebound i shall fetch your 5000 she said in tones which seemed like an outburst of song the song which radhika of the vaishnava lyrics sang for my lover will i bind in my hair the flower which has no equal in the three worlds it is the same truth and the tune the same song 5000 will i bring that flower will i bind in my hair the narrow restraint of the flute brings out this quality of song i must not allow the pressure of too much greed to flatten out the need for them as a fear music will give place to the questions why what is the use of so much how am i to get it not a word of which 
all rhyme with that radhika sang so as i was saying illusion alone is real it is like flute itself while truth is but its empty hollow nikhil has of late got a taste of that pure emptiness one can see it in his face which pains even me but it was nikhil's boast that he wanted the truth while mine was that i would never let go illusion from my gasp each has been suited to his taste so why complain to keep bimla's heart in the rarefied air of idealism i cut short all further discussions over the 5000 rupees i reverted to the demon destroying goddess and her worship when was the ceremony to be held and where there is a great annual fair at rumari within nikhil's estates where hundreds of thousands of pilgrims assemble that would be a grand place to inaugurate the worship of a goddess bimla wax intensely enthusiastic this was not the burning of foreign cloth or the people's granaries so even nikhil could have no objection so thought she but i smiled inwardly how little those two persons who have together day and night for nine whole years know of each other they know something perhaps of their home life but when it comes to outside concerns they are entirely at sea they had cherished the belief that the harmony of the home with which the outside was perfect today they realized to their cost that it is too late to repair the neglect of years and seek to harmonize them now what does it matter let those who have made the mistake learn their error by knocking against the world why need i bother about their plight for the present i find it wearisome to keep bimla soaring much longer like a captive balloon in regions ethereal i had better get quite through with the matter in the hand when bimla rose to depart and had neared the door i remarked in my most casual manner so about the money bimla halted and faced back as he said on the expiry of this month when our personal allowances become due that i'm afraid would be too late when do you want it then tomorrow tomorrow you shall have it end of chapter number 7